All right. Let's get this out of the way first. The thoughts, views, and opinions expressed on Tailboard Talks Firefighter Podcast are solely those of the speakers, guests, and host, and do not in any way represent the thoughts or views or opinions of any other employer, partnership, or sponsor. The material and information in this podcast is for general information purposes only and should be used at the listener's discretion. So we'll get to the important stuff first, which is, I feel like it's a... A potentially a spoiler alert worthy opening talking about true detective we're talking about the important stuff yeah um so here's the thing i told you we, we re-watched season one the other day okay much heavier of a supernatural influence in season one than i remembered yeah so much so that like in the end of season one when they're in the temple thing mm-hmm. there's like the vortex of the other dimension spinning above mm-hmm. matthew mcconaughey right yeah so then we watched episode one of season four last night. And then I went on YouTube and was like, oh, let's see some breakdowns of this thing. Yeah. The the depth that people went into drawing parallels between season four and season one. Mm-hmm. Half hour videos. Yeah. Like this one guy, they went so far as to say like, Rust lived, Rust lived in Alaska for a while. There's Lone Star Beer in Alaska, which mm-hmm. was what he was drinking yeah. in season one. And his dad's name was Terry, who was... Did Rust live in Alaska? Yeah, he okay. be, between the time of leaving Louisiana uh-huh. and coming back, he did he did uh, Alaska okay. charter fishing, hmm. and he said that that's when he was like, all there is to do is lay up, stay up at night, look at the stars, kind of thing. Okay, and then uh, they went into like Russ's dad's name and how that's a character in the same name as a character that the guy that was pointing the way, Travis. Travis. Yeah, that's Russ, Russ's dad dad's name. Okay, or something like that. Hmm. And then they tie in the circular pattern yeah. that the pictures were in mm-hmm. compared to the season one stuff. And then they tied in... Because um, I think that comes up later if you watch like scenes from the next that is like a tattoo on yeah. one of the victims, like the, the, the woman who died a few years ago, Yeah, I think. And then I think it shows up on one of the new victims as well. And then they tied it to... Um, the things that Rust would say in the first season mm-hmm. about like this person coming back and all that, yeah, they then tied it to this the the Chulu myth- mythical creature, like the octopus head thing mm-hmm. that lives under the water, which is where everything's happening in, yeah. the, in Alaska. Mm-hmm. Like this whole big supernatural tie hmm. coming back in. So I'm not a huge fan of that. Yeah, I don't. I I don't mind. I didn't mind the cult side of it, right? I didn't mind like the crazy person in the bunker. Yeah. All that dirty stuff. Mm-hmm. Once it starts to cross over to like Stranger Things territory, it gets a little tough to manage. I agree. I hope that it stays on the human side of the supernatural and they're yeah. not conjuring up something. Um, but I mean, it seems I can, like they are. It does seem like they are. Yeah. And the, the, the few reviews that I read it so far, I think, mentioned that that's yeah. a possibility. But uh, I'm hoping they don't go down that road and it just stays, just toes the line of, being yeah this is but really it's just yeah some psycho at the end but also like that may have been why season one was so good is because from what i remember season two or three were way less of that more like character study stuff and the characters are kind of just fine two is a tough one i have to i i've told myself i need to go back and watch that one because season one was so good Mm -hmm. and then season two was just so different yeah and not season one that i was like I, i i don't think i even finished it I, I didn't. And I told myself I was going to go back and watch it, but yeah, I tell myself a lot of things that I don't follow up on. So <laughs> I didn't finish it, and I didn't watch season three at all. 
Yeah. I think I watched like one Season episode. Three was good. Yeah. It was better. Yeah, it got better. Yeah, I've heard lackluster on two and three. Yeah. But then watching one was like it's just so much of Woody Harrelson and yeah. Matthew McConaughey's acting too. Like right. they were so believable as those people. Well, and some of the stuff they did in that too, some of the cinematography they have there's that one shootout in the neighborhood that is like a continuous non-cut you know yeah. it's like a seven minute straight and just the choreography of that once you know that that's the case is like, it's just super cool yeah you know but yeah well i'm excited i definitely i'm not pumped what i that, don't love is having to wait i was just gonna week. say okay. that yeah well i think that was a nice natural break in the true detective talk <laughs> yeah <laughs> they had a true detective i know they wasn't sleeping supernatural possessed <laughs> exactly <laughs> it yeah did you check her for a circular tattoo yeah. on her back <laughs> um uh more important business well you, the other part of important business and nelly is you said you had a very important thing you wanted to bring up kind of a crucial talking point which is another poop story Ugh, it was the worst <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is this is going to take a little while to get out. Okay. So, uh, so Sadie, we went to the Dells after New Year's, the week after New Year's. We were there for a couple of days, and we take her to um, a lady who watches her, and she's awesome. Uh, so she's out there. We came back. Like the day after we got back, Sadie threw up like four times. So this was on a Saturday. And on the fourth one, this is like, midnight at this point there's blood in it and i'm like Ugh. so I checked our vet and they don't open until seven so now i got uh seven on monday and this is saturday night so if it were like seven more hours i probably would have stayed home with her and just said we're going to the vet first thing in the morning but like i couldn't wait 36 hours you know <laughs> right and so i have to take her to the the er which you know it's and that one sucks yep. so we go up to the dundee er uh, and they were great, um, but uh, X-rays don't see anything. They give her some, you know, IV fluids and like five different anti-vomiting medications, and uh, like a pain med, and uh, sent us home. So this is this is during the first wet snowfall too. So twelve forty-five in the morning, driving her up to Dundee in that snow. Yeah, eleven hundred dollars. <laughs> uh, dog has no job still. For yeah, dog definitely not a contributor to the household. Uh, I take that back. She was a contributor to the household. So uh, we come back. Um, so so Sunday, she's fine. Monday, she's mostly fine. But I'm like, you know what? She hasn't had a bowel movement in, since she's been back. And uh, so then we're outside, and she takes she takes dump. And then the backside of it is just a lot. And I'm like, oh, great. So all of Monday night, I slept on the couch. And every two hours, she would whine, and I'd have to run her outside. Whoa to do diarrhea now at this point. And so then Tuesday morning, I got to take Sid to school. By the time I get back, whole kitchen, diarrhea, diarrhea going up the stairs, <laughs> diarrhea across like our, our the hall ceiling. upstairs. You're pointing yeah. to the ceiling. Yeah, basically across the ceiling. It should have been, <laughs> yeah. probably. Uh, so now I'm home with a screaming infant, poo everywhere, a sick dog that I don't want to do more poo, scrubbing carpet yeah. shampooing it was like a six hour fiasco and obviously the job's not good enough by the time taylor gets home but it was enough <laughs> and uh so yeah so that was uh that lasted through and of course they give you you know the 70 dollar food and then we're back up there they're like oh well here's the anti-diarrhea medicine i'm like 
you knew her stomach was upset, why don't you just give me both medicines? Yeah. You know, I was up there. So yeah. like, don't give me four puke medicines and zero diarrheas. <laughs> it's got to go somewhere. Like, oh, I guess, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, could any of these medicines make her diarrhea? And they're like, no, but we'll give you some anti-diarrhea stuff. I'm like, God, guys. When we didn't see anything on the x-rays and we thought her stomach was be upset, maybe the diarrhea medicine comes at that yeah. time. If she can't throw up, yeah, it's going out the other end. Yeah, so that was, uh, yeah, just another saga of the that's good. dog that's... So the funny thing that we do is, which is really funny to other people, not us, is that usually a week before an event like this, we go, hey, what do you think about pet insurance and then we decide mm. like nah we're not going to do it yeah. and then like within two weeks it's like mm, there's thousand dollar charge that yeah. we could have had some pet insurance for dude we and, carry the pet insurance for lily the puggle we used it more because you're such a mutant dog yeah just i remember when she had like the cherry eye like mm-hmm. her eye exploded yeah and just the whole thing of her like we were in that vet and then mia bit her a few times <laughs> like dude, we were in there <laughs> frequently we, we yeah. overran our copay or whatever and yeah. they're like oh it's all free from here on out i'm like okay cool yeah. Yeah, we hit we hit our maximum with her like every year. Yeah, so I know West Coast they uh, they uh, pet insurance is a benefit that you can get, and uh, through your job, through your job, okay, and bereavement for your pet. I was pretty sad. I, yeah, three days worth of bereavement. I got sad. I got I <laughs> yeah. got extremely sad. So uh, wow. start raising chickens, and every time you <laughs> knock one off, you're like ah, three more days. You know? but I'm so full. <laughs> <laughs> Turn that thing in for six dollars, so you get That'd some more eggs. Be pretty good, yeah. What's the insurance policy yeah, on a right. meat bird? Uh, well, good, man. I'm I'm just happy to see that your poop continues. Your yeah. poop side continues. I mean, we've been it was through just a lot of yeah. poop and stuff. And babies pooping. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we've had pink eye twice now in the house. Mm. Nathan twice. Yeah. First time they gave us a um, like a neosporin type of ointment. Mm-hmm to put in his eye mm-hmm. and he was relatively a year and a half old. Yeah. I'm like, I can't get near this kid's face with a fork with food on it. How am I going to get the, a neosporin in his eye? Yeah. And I, tra- I just traumatized the ever living crap out of him. Like mm-hmm. on the direction says, do not sit on your child to administer <laughs> this. Like, cause they just know like, yeah. and uh, I was like, can you give us anything else? Or like, well, and with his age, it really is the most effective. It's sticky. It'll stay in there. Yeah. You know, I'm like, it's never getting in. We had to like trick him. I'm like, oh, I'm going to take this, we had to put on a Q-tip, be like, I'm going to clean your eye, and then you yeah. smear it on there, and by that time, he knows that you BS'd him, so it's all over, uh, you know. Second time was drops, it was better. But we had ha- we had that, we had hand, foot, and mouth, we had, I mean. Any eye stuff for me, like, even right now, my eyes are starting to, like, water a little bit. I just so let me tell you do. this story. I just told this yesterday. Me and, when I was on Ambulance 1, we had a, a girl who was not living in sanitary conditions. She got pink eye. Mm. And so she didn't get it treated. So she starts, it was irritating her, started scratching it. She gave herself a corneal abrasion, mm. turned into red eye. This is just what the doctor surmised happened yeah. after we brought her in. Because when we brought her in, she called because her eye exploded. Because she was scratching it and it went, bloop, and this little <laughs> red gummy worm shot out of the center of her eye. So we get there and she's, she looks like, uh, like a zombie victim. Mm. Like she's running out with her hands covering her face, just dirty, stumbling everywhere because she can't see. And we're mm-hmm. like, what is going on? We almost had to like trip her and put her down, you know? So we get her on in the ambulance. We like lead her to the ambulance, like herd her over there. And uh, we get in. We're like, what are you talking about with your eye? Because all we got was the eye injury. And she takes her hand away and she's got blood all over her palm. And there's, yeah, just a little like red hot 
mm. type of thing poking out just kind of drooping down onto her cheek you know yeah and i was like is that your eye we couldn't tell if it was the muscle in her eyelid or where it, where it was you uh-huh. know so we did all the the goofy textbook stuff of like got the cups and mm-hmm. wrapped her up like a a house fly, you yeah. know, like wrapped around her face, <laughs> yeah. which the doctor was very impressed about. He's like, oh, I've only seen that in a book. And uh, I'm like, what's going to happen? He's like, what are you going to do? Put stitches in it? She's yeah. like, she's losing the eye. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, my God. God dude. Why did we put the white ruins this cup? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, rinse that out, man. Put it back. <laughs> so he's like, I'll call the surgeon. He's like, but I can't imagine that she's keeping this eye yeah. all because of untreated pink eye and just rubbing it and scratching it till your eye wore so thin that your pupil exploded and the guts came out of your eye. Dude, is it one of the many (laughs) East Side stories, dude? That's why I like the East Side. Yeah. Um, So yeah. So with that, I sent you the the card of like, hey, Mm -hmm. uh, what was it like? Hiring probationary year, hiring academy probationary year tips and tricks and and stuff like that, right? What came to mind? I I wrote down some stuff. Yeah, you know, it started to come to mind, and then I realized I'm so out of date with some of the practices of that stuff that I can, I'm thinking back to like what I did, but I'm like, I wonder if people even do that anymore. They don't. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, like, you know, when I was trying to get hired, basically I I started out by figuring out a radius of how far I was willing to drive. Mm. And I basically called every, uh, city hall in that radius and asked about when they were testing. I'm sure that you can find that on city's websites now, yeah. but either way I had a list of like when hiring processes were happening. Um, I would say now, you know, I'm mostly familiar with the 2448 schedule, mm. but I would say like, if you're listening from somewhere else, like, you know, there's 4896s and stuff like that going out there. And, um, so I would say if there's like definite deal breakers for you, you kind of, educate yourself on what those are. Yeah. And so like, if you're someone with small kids, like I probably wouldn't want to start a 48 96. I don't know that I'd want to be away from my kids for that long. So that would probably be a deal breaker for me of mm-hmm. like, I'm not even going to apply at that place, but, um, it's just coming up with a list of places and, and getting as much exposure to as many different testing processes as you can. Yeah. And, uh, that was, that was kind of what I had told people or, even up until this date for, for, um, what I did for hiring. I think that still applies The definitely the, as many processes as you can thing applies. Yeah. What I had written down, what I tell everybody, all like the explorers that come through, we see all the people are like, Oh, I want to be a firefighter. I was telling them, figure out where in the country you want to live first. Sure. And then see if their fire job exists there. Yeah. And if it doesn't exist there, but you really want to live there, then pick a new job because was, it's not going to be worth you're going to be there for presumably 25 to 35 years now. Mm-hmm. If you settle for some place, you're like, I don't really love working here, but I want to be a firefighter that after the first five or six years, you're in that yeah. period of like lull, mm-hmm. like seven to 12 mark. Yep. And you're like, I want to get out of here. I really yeah. want to live on the beach, but I settled. And I thought about that too. And my th- thought also was that, um, I think if you want to work for a city department, um, you should check to see what their residency requirements are. Cause a yeah. lot of them, you have to live there before you can even apply. Like, and I, I could be wrong in this, but I feel like, I think like Boston, you had to live in the city limits for a year before you could apply. Really? Yeah. So I would just make sure of like, Holy if I'm cow. like, Oh, I'm going to test for big city departments that you know that you might not have to, you might have to live at one of those places for a period of time before you can actually, Wow. you know, and if you're, if you've taken, EMT class or something like that, make sure your stuff transfers over. Cause I know like each state they have different 
things that they call. So just you know, make sure that whatever education you have transfers yeah. over. Um, I think that goes the other way too. Not with the education stuff, but living. We've seen a couple of people move west, and they're like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, I want to work for San Diego or Colorado, and somewhere in Colorado, right?" Yeah, and they end up having to live like two hours away yeah. from where they work because mm-hmm. they can't afford they can't the afford cost it. of living there. Mm-hmm. So you might think like, "Oh, I'm going to go work in San Diego," right? It's like, but I got to live in the desert. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Stuff too that wasn't, I don't know if it was available at the time. I never got into it, but if, if a place that you want to work has a explorer program or like a part-time program or something like that, and that's your place that you want to go, then definitely get involved with that. Cause like for Elgin, you get preference points for it. Mm. I don't know how it works on like combination departments where you, they have part-timers and full-timers. If, if working there part-time gets you preference points, you know, at some point or if, at least informally it does, right? Yeah. Like if there's a board of trustees or something like that, they'll recognize that you did yeah. work there. So I would say like if you're super narrow focused on the places that you want to go and they do have like something that isn't full-time, mm-hmm. I would get involved in that as soon as I could. What do you think about, um, so the advice that I was given and I took it was don't, don't pass up a job. Yes. Like if you 100%. get a job and you get offered a job, don't pass it up. And then what goes hand in hand with that is, don't fall into the trap of thinking like this is just my starter department or this is just a beginning mm-hmm. department. I'm going to get out of here eventually. Yeah. Cause I worked for a, a very small department, um, much closer to the city and it was like 30 guys and it was awesome. Like the guys mm-hmm. there were incredible. Yeah. The structure of the department and the kind of way they ran was a little bit janky, but it's cause of what it was. Um, but if I had gone in there and be like, I'm just slumming it with you idiots for, three months before Elgin calls me right? or before my, my big city calls me, mm-hmm. you know, that's just, you're not doing anybody any favors no. because I actually had a lot of, um, debating leaving that department. Like mm-hmm. I knew I wanted to work for a larger department, not like a city, like yeah. a proper city. Um, cause I worked part time in a smaller one and I was like, I had done the small time thing. I want to see what a, what a larger department's like. And then I got there and I was like, I could, I could definitely stay here. This mm-hmm. is a really cool department with really cool guys in yeah. it. Um, but yeah, if you but if you consider like ah placeholder, you're just cheating yourself because you might actually right. dig it a lot and you're not going to have any regrets. We have a lot of smaller suburbs around us and those guys love it, mm-hmm. and they they may or may not liking like working for our department our size, you yeah. know. But it doesn't mean that it's less valuable. The people right. there probably need your EMS just as much as the people in the hundred forty thousand person yeah. city do, mm-hmm. right? So that's that's one major mind field mind trap to not fall into is just consider something like a pretend or a starter department right. a stepping stone thing that's not fair and, yeah and i definitely wouldn't play that game depending on where you're at on lists too because there's you're not always guaranteed to get the call you know and so yeah. there were a couple lists that i was on that i was higher ranked and i i could have fallen into the trap of being like well you know this place will call and those places never called and yeah and so it just you just all depends on the hiring cycle that they're in you know and so yeah. yeah definitely don't don't pass up a full-time job thinking that another one's calling in a couple of months you know what about uh do you remember when you went in to do your like your panel interview or anything like that do you remember yeah. any of those things mm-hmm. um the next part of this i wrote down one of just a few things i wrote down was concerning that and it's like show up and be prepared and, and show that you've taken an interest in the city or mm-hmm. the municipality that you're auditioning for basically. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the more you can show an interest in the, like that you actually want to serve that community specifically, yeah. uh, the better, yep. you know? Yeah. And you hit it on professional too. Like I think more and more the service is turning into, you know, professional really, really from the inside turning into a professional organization. And so like showing up, 
dressed well and you know don't dress down for it like yeah be act professional because that's what they're looking for as professionals at this point well and i think it's the last point i wrote down in that one is know your audience and i wrote down generationally know your audience yeah it's like if you walk in there as a, a 20 to 25 year old person you have to understand that you're talking to people near their 60s potentially mm-hmm. right so you can't walk in yeah as if you're going to talk to your friends or even anybody 10 years older than you mm-hmm. and so yeah you might not own a suit or like you might not own a tie right but it might be worth an investment because you know the people that are going to be talking to you might value that. Mm-hmm. So know, who know your audience and know who you're talking to. Right. Um, and I then, would also, to, you know, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say funny enough, like know <laughs> who people are mm-hmm. as much as you can. Yeah. One of our new hires is just like, uh, he said he was saying, oh yeah, I know the chief has done this and I look for, you know, I've seen the progression that you guys have made in the past couple of years and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah with the chief sitting at the table and he didn't recognize him. Yeah. And so he's like, what would you say to the chief if you saw him? You know, he's like, oh. right. <laughs> and he kind of, he didn't, he wasn't playing him. He wasn't like baiting him into anything, yeah. but it was just funny to like afterwards I saw his, I saw that he was wearing his, um, his dress shirt and it said his name embroidered on. He's like, ah, oh, crap. Yeah. Like, I hope I didn't say anything stupid, you know? Yeah. Cause it's a large, it's six people in a room mm-hmm. and he might be 15 feet away from you and you're just, your head's spinning yep. and you're trying just not to black out and give the right answer. Right. Yeah. So you're not reading name tags. Kind of touching on what you said too, about taking interest in the places. Also, uh, I got the advice to, to, um, let them know that you're interested like in living or like raising your family in the area. Cause yeah. they're looking for stability, you know? And so if you can, um, everyone goes in and says, I want to help people when they say, like, why do you want this job? Like they, they hear that all the time. So yeah. like differentiate a little bit. And if you can show that you have an interest in the community and some stability and possibly raising a family there, that like, that's what they're looking for is stability. And that gives you a little differentiation from, uh, hey, I just want to help people. You yeah. Know? Yeah. That's a very good one. And I, I think that I definitely think that can lead into a conversation about like residency and stuff. Um, but I think that's something that a lot of people not miss, but I think it's gotten lost that like this job is a service industry job that you're serving this particular community. in. Mm-hmm. And I've heard people say like, uh, when they're asked about like, are you going to get promoted? Do you want to go for a promotion or do you want to do this position or that? They'll be like, well, not here. I don't want to get promoted here. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, where are you going to get promoted? Yeah. Like this is the community, literally the community you chose to serve. Right. Why is it so off putting for you to progress in this department or be interested in it? Yeah. You know? And uh, that alone, I mean, those people have numerous other problems that will weed them out or mm-hmm. put them in a category all their own. But yeah, if you're, if you look at the community you're about to serve and you have like disdain for them or an aversion to them for mm-hmm. whatever reason, I would not work there because yes. <laughs> you're, that's what you're there to do is interact with the people right. that might put you off. You're there to be nice to them and interact with them more times than you probably want to. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, recognizing the community you're you're trying out for is a major mm-hmm. part of that, right? You, yep. It's not all the glamorous. You have to talk to people once in a while. Right. You can't hide behind the badge all the time and and roll your windows up in the engine. Yeah. Just not talk to the the neighborhood you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some of the other guys, like I was talking to a guy in a larger department south of us, and he he takes the opposite approach, where he's a runner, and he would get in the summer he would go to work just like an hour early, and he would run his district. He's like, because I want to see like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want people to see me. I'm not just a person making X amount of dollars yeah. and leaving, you know, mm-hmm. driving an hour away to, to where I live. Like mm-hmm. I want to be in the community and like know the neighborhood and yeah. know the people. And I'm like, that's it's honorable, you know, it's something that I I ride my bike to work as much as I can. Yeah. And but I'm not interacting with people. Like I might see the same handful of guys getting ready to go to work every morning I yeah. ride. 
but that's just another level I of rode, like caring. When I did ride my bike, it was mine was more street study though. It was just yeah, I would take different routes home just to see what streets had, you know were where and everything. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, yeah, just a different way to to slice it, right? Um, let's just jump forward then, man, mm-hmm. into your probationary year. We're skipping the academy. Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, go ahead. I don't know. The academy to me is just, uh, I don't know. No, just be quiet in the academy. <laughs> you know, like you don't want to, you don't want to stand out for the wrong reasons in there. And most yeah. of the time, it's attitude and mouth that get. You know, people realize that when you come to the academy, there's a chance you have no experiences at all, and that's what the academy is for: is to learn the basics skills. You mm-hmm. know, you're they don't you're not expected after an eight week academy to be a a professional firefighter, you know, you're expected to be able to like carry some stuff and know how to use a couple of the tools. And then that's the start, you know? And, uh, but I think the biggest issue is if you can go in and, and, uh, just keep your mouth shut, uh, and lead by example, if you, if you have those skills versus, uh, talking to compensate for your lack of skill or your lack of desire to work. Cause that stuff is, um, found pretty easily. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm starting to view academies more and more as just a place that will you're going to get through it mm-hmm. unless something catastrophic happens. And more and more I view it less as a pass and fail and more of at the end of it, they give a recommendation to the department. It's almost like a psych test. Yeah. We're not going to tell you that they should or should not hire them. We're going to tell you how what they did in the time we had with them. Right. So I think it's, I don't know if that's just a, a change in the structure and function of it. Or if it's always been that, and I always just thought it was more of a um, a stringent thing where you might not pass, yeah. and then you'd be out of a job. I maybe I just had that opinion of it. And it wasn't, but more and more, it's just like a a longer evaluation, basically, yeah. of your personality. Mm-hmm. And then they, it seems like they just give a recommendation of like they're not that very, they're not very good. Right. We wouldn't hire them, but they're your problem. Yeah. Kind of thing. Like that's yeah. what it seems like to come back to us a few times. And that's that seems what it's like now. And we use an outside agency. Like when I went through, and you went through, we had. You had even mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So it's like we I'll had our own, Murpha. which was a, which was a <laughs> lot harder because those were your peers, future peers who were running the academy. Yeah. So like you, you couldn't be, uh, you know, a bag of milk in that. I mean, you could. Yeah. Actually, I remember like guy in my academy getting yelled at, <laughs> venting a roof, but uh, he's like hit it flounder, and then he's like, you need to hit a treadmill. <laughs> you know, a guy defeated on a roof simulator. He doesn't work with us anymore, obviously. Awesome. But. Uh, <laughs> Um, see you at lunch. <laughs> yep. Pretty much. He was the first day, uh, we went, I was at station one, he was at station five and I didn't know anything. And we drove down to station five and this is middle of the afternoon. And I worked for a captain at the time. And we walked in and he's wheels up in the recliner with like a quarter of a watermelon. Eating it. And I'm like, I know nothing about the fire service, but this is probably not what you're supposed to be doing right now. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that guy didn't, he didn't make it through probation, but, yeah. uh, <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, I really didn't give too much thought to the academy, to be honest with you, when I was kind of mapping this thing out. Because I think it's just that. They're not, I just have a different view of it. Yeah. I think it falls much more on the department now than unless on the academy. The academy standard is just to make sure you know how to put your pants on. And you're not even, I mean, you're using, I guess you are using your equipment. So learn your pack and yeah. salute the flag. I don't know. You know? Yeah. You know, and I, I mean, I know there's a bunch of boxes that need to get checked for whatever certifications you get coming out of there. Yeah. So, you know, if that's the best way, the most efficient way to get someone through that, that to me, that's kind of what it is now. So what, so yeah. that they can be a, you know, a employable 
firefighter for us at that point. All right, well, let's skip off it then. Copy. To probation. Yeah. Um, the, th- the first thing I wrote down here for probation is first show your work and then show your personality. Mm-hmm. And this is something that became more evident to me since being promoted of like if someone, if I walk into a station with a probationary person who I don't have any experience with, and the first thing people tell me is like, oh, dude, he's hilarious. Or like, he's a great guy. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm glad, but I don't care. Yeah. Like, give me something more than that to ease my mind mm-hmm. in the next half hour before we get a call, please. Yeah. I'd much rather, even if you're the funniest guy, the most charismatic person, you have relationships with people on the job first, I'd much rather just see you work really hard mm-hmm. for the first little bit. And then at lunchtime, we'll make jokes. We'll we'll get to know you more, something yeah. like that. But if you're just a, a comedy routine and then the the basic stuff isn't done right, like that's a huge issue. Mm-hmm. So even if you're a funny person, even if you know people there. Now, this, this gets frustrating too. When I was on days at a different department I got hired at, they didn't have really a structure for it. So my task for the day is like three weeks, three weeks of days. And by the second week, they're like, well, take this notebook and go on the bay floor and just draw the compartments and memorize them. And by that time, I'd seen each shift three or four or five times, you know. Mm-hmm. So they're like, I'll come in and have breakfast with us and blah, blah. I started to make kind of friends with people. Mm-hmm. So I would go in the kitchen and then depending on what captain or what battalion chief was there, like, nope, you're back on the floor. Like, get out there and draw pictures, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm like, but I... Okay, so you just go out there and draw pictures. Like, yeah. that's not the time to make jokes or yeah. try to be friends with that captain or battalion chief. It's like, okay, I'm going to show you that I can be diligent in this yeah. task you gave me, mm-hmm. and maybe that'll buy me a little bit of fun time later. Right. And yeah, over the course of that time, you, they do loosen up, and then guys start to trust you more. But without, if you're standing there trying to be Mr. Clownface in front of the captain who's telling you to do a task, yeah. it doesn't go very far, mm-hmm. right? Um, what would be one of your top ones? first day or like, Hey, your, your first shift is next shift. What are you telling guys? I usually tell our new guys, um, to find out what the expectations are from whoever their officer is right away. And I said, that's going to be different from each person that you have as your officer, but at least you're showing interest to absorb versus like, I don't like, you don't need to show us what you know, because we can find that out pretty easily. Yeah. Um, just show us that you're willing to absorb and do the work because that's basically what we're looking for out of you. And that could be a, I'll let you know on every call that we go to, or that could be, a, unfortunately, a 45 minute, here's what we're going to do in each of these calls, right. you know, type thing. But you know what? That's at least you've shown that officer the respect of like you're interested in what they want from you out of the day. Yeah. And that changes every day. And I, and I tell you, we have seven stations. I'm like, you might get into a good routine with your crew at your station, but when you go t- out, you need to, that's day one again. Like the, the whiteboard yeah. gets erased because most of the time your crew isn't calling ahead and being like, okay, here's all the things to know about, you know, so-and-so. Yeah so that the next crew is ready for you. It's like maybe maybe the officer read a few DORs, you know, maybe. Um, but there's another chance that it could be an overtime officer who's just there to fill in for that day. And, yeah. You know, so if you start out each day with like, hey, what are your expectations for the day? They let them take it, and then at least you've put yourself in the absorbing phase versus, you know, the opposite. Yeah. Um, and then just get ready to carry stuff, you know, like <laughs> we're not expecting you to be the best firefighter right out the chute. Like we need you to figure out what stuff you're going to need to carry the most and carry it. You know, the first in bag, the, the hand can, whatever your first in stuff is for AFAs, like know what that is and just get good at going to that stuff right away, you know? And, um, 
I mean, it's it's extremely fundamental, but probably the most true advice. Mm-hmm. Just I mean, we're gonna have plenty of time of throwing ladders, like plenty of time of pulling hoses and stuff like that. So, like the basics that you're gonna use on a daily, like yeah. figure out what that stuff is and be ready to do that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Drilling the compartments is is something we still do a pretty good job of with making sure the guys know where stuff and is. And you should their, because if we go into a place and I need something, I'm not going back to get it. You know, mm-hmm. and so you're, you're hoofing it back. Yeah. And this actually happened to me. So I didn't know what a, uh, window punch was. Mm. I didn't know that that was the term and I don't know what I thought the term was, <laughs> but we had a, a, a dead guy in a car and my captain said, go get the win- window punch. I think I called it a center punch or something like that. And I'm like, I don't know what that is, but I'm going to go run around the engine and open up yeah. the compartment until I see something that looks like a window punch. <laughs> and of course, like. You know, the driver comes up. He's like, well, you know, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm trying to find the, the window punch. And he's like, it's right here. I'm like, oh, this is not a window punch. This is, a, you know, and it's like, that's not the time to have that argument. Right. Uh, but uh, I probably should know my compartments better at yeah. that point in time. And guess who knew his compartments a little better after that? Uh, I mean, that's one of the fabled stories from one of the guys we let go on probation was I was in the, the depths of my lieutenant studying for the first test. And I was in like the weeds of a dude of like, what's the temperature difference between the gray area of a piece of charcoal and the black area, you know, mm-hmm. which one is 600, which one is 800 degrees. Yeah. And I'm like memorizing this stuff. And I was like, I'm going to go see how this probationary guy's doing. Just give him a little like grilling. And I went out there. I was like, get the, uh, get the K tool. And he's like, just, just the tool. Right. And I was like, come on, man. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. Just no, grab you're whatever. in front of me. So go get the K tool. <laughs> grab whatever. <laughs> grab whatever. <Yeah. laughs> you're big, but so he comes back with the whole leather pouch and I said, okay, tell me what's inside this pouch. And he's like, this is the Allen knife and this is the shove key. I'm like, go get something else. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, okay, go grab our struts. And I said, how big is, what size struts do we have? This is not when we had our Paratech ones. And he holds one up to his leg and he goes, ah, about three feet. I said, okay, I got to go. And I went yeah. back into his lieutenant. I'm like, yeah, this guy's going to get fired. I'm like, this guy's going to get fired immediately. <laughs> And uh, it was just so infuriating. You know, he was yeah. like six months on at that point. I was like, I just want to beat you with the strut right now yep. as I'm studying like a madman. Yeah. And you're telling me something's a, a shove key and an Allen <laughs> knife. I'm like, ah, fuck. So, yes, a, little, a lot of diligence goes the same way. And extend that out further. Like, I've had talks with like Joe Galley, you know, mm-hmm. and extremely observant person. He knows the difference. He knows what his compartments sound like. Whereas if you're a new guy on the floor mm-hmm. and he hears a compartment roll up and roll down, he's like, that wasn't enough time looking in that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, it might be enough time for so-and-so to look at. He's yeah. like, not for you, pal. Yeah. I'd be like, <laughs> so I'll send you back out and be like, spend another 10 seconds on those compartments, would yeah. you? And, mm-hmm. uh, and go for it. So it's people notice right. that stuff. Right? It's probably like you loiter enough in here, loiter in front of the compartments. <laughs> <laughs> loiter? Oh, God. Yeah, that was an unfortunate phase. He's much better now. Yeah. Um, what I, I can't remember what else I wrote in this thing now. Oh, so in our department, the new guy is fourth. So we run three-man engines. New guy is fourth for five shifts. Then they get put third, right? Yep. The new guy and the lieutenant work hand-in-hand hand with their probationary book, giant binder thing. Mm-hmm. What I've been trying to tell guys for the past few years now is, yes, your your daddy is the lieutenant. Like, that's your point of contact. That's who's going to run your book. Right. That does not mean that you 
eliminate the rest of the chain of command inside your station. Mm -hmm. So yes, your lieutenant will sign off for the day, but you got to talk to the most next senior person, you first Mm -hmm. and be like, can you help me with this stuff? Or what can I do today? Or can, what can you show me where this is? Because once you get off probation, if you start going to lieutenant for everything, that's not the relationship that's supposed to be there. And not to sound like superior or anything like that in terms of like exclusive, you know, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I don't want like, there's, far more capable people than me below me in those positions of that technical ability. Right. Go to them and get your problem solved. Don't mm-hmm. come to me and I have to go to talk to them. Like, right. And that just builds trust between a new guy and you too. Of like, can you show me your engine? Yeah. Instead of going to me, I'm like, can we, can you look over the engine? Like, yeah, go get Kurt. <laughs> go yeah. Well, and the reality is, is like the blue shirts are going to, are going to carry or sink someone more than the Lieutenant because oh, yeah. the Lieutenant doesn't, you don't want to be a Lieutenant with a, probationary firefighter who's not going to make it you know Mm. regardless of that probationary firefighter's aptitude you still are related to that Mm. blue shirts are not so like (laughs) (laughs) they don't care you're that's a burden to them that now they're done with and so yeah 100 percent, i would try and get the blue shirts uh as involved with you as uh unannoyingly as possible but uh, yeah you know but it's one of those things too. It, it takes a good crew to do that, mm-hmm. right? Because a lot of there are people that will just pass it off and go talk to the lieutenant and see what he sure. wants to do today. Yep. But yeah, there's something that we used to set at station one of like, if you have a problem or even a question, and it gets to me, it that means it's gone through these three people first. Right. So if you haven't addressed it with those three people, it should not be in my yeah. office yet. Mm-hmm. And again, that sounds kind of dickish, right? Mm-hmm. But it's also I don't. I also think that if you don't do that, you're skipping over the knowledge you probably need that we're going to go do anyways. Yep. And uh, like you said, after your first year, I probably won't be your Lieutenant anymore with that person. Mm -hmm. So if all of a sudden you get transferred to your shift now and he's never talked to you, even though he's worked in the same station as you for a year, Mm -hmm. you'd be like, I don't know this guy. Oh, you want my help now? Mm -hmm. Like there's a very real (laughs) potential to get catty with that kind of thing. Right. Sure. Um, Why don't you share your, uh, we're at like 40 minutes now. Share your forcible entry um, metaphor for probation. Uh, we'll kind of wrap on that, and yeah, I think it's a good one to end on. My thing is is that when you get the job, you've just gapped the door. You have not forced it all the way open, and so the rest of your probationary period is you're actually forcing the door open and controlling it at that point. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people get out of the academy and get to shift, and they're like, I made it. And it's like, you didn't. You just... you you barely gapped the door a little yeah. bit here. You've got a full year of busting that thing open. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that, that's always the analogy I give them in their, their 80 hour program is yeah. like, there's still a lot of work to be done. Like you just, you just got in barely now. Yeah. And I, I assimilated to when I was playing hockey and uh, one of the scariest times when I was playing juniors was when camp was over and tryouts were over. And then they posted the list of who made it. I was like, well, that was fun, mm-hmm. you know. And they're like, you made the team. I was like, uh oh, <laughs> <laughs> can I not? Like, I really didn't think I was going to. Yeah. And then you're sitting in that locker room, and it's like, okay, now the now I have to actually like perform. Yeah. Like now the work starts, and mm-hmm. that was far scarier than going to camp yeah. and getting invites to camps and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh crap! Like now I got to prove I belong in this stall, yeah. in this locker room next to these guys who are like two year all stars. Mm-hmm. Like, uh oh. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> So yeah, that's your when you get off pro, when you get onto probation out of the academy, you're you've simply made the roster mm-hmm. for the start of the season. Yep. And anything can happen in that season. You're not guaranteed to be on that championship team Mm-mm. or be on the roster at the end of the season, you know. So I try to kind of draw that parallel too of like now you've made it to the locker room. Yep. 
you kind of have a nameplate above your, your stall. Right. And maybe not even above your gear yeah. locker. So, <laughs> so like chill out. Nice one. It's just written in paper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can rip it off very Label quickly. Maker. Um, all right, dude. That was pretty good. Covered some ground. Got the uh, got about a 30-minute nap in. We did. Not bad. Covered some true detective, some poop stories, and uh, pretty much planned out someone's first year and a half of employment. Mm-hmm. Not bad. I mean, what else I don't do you know want, else man? can be expected <laughs> of us. <laughs> Not bad for a couple of coffees. Um, we'll all probably right. be able to brainstorm more now that uh, we'll be uh, on the same. I think we're going to have a lot more. Yeah. We'll be doing a lot more stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, dude. The more, these episodes are way. We'll probably get some uh, good uh, shift workouts to send out to people. With uh, I felt like whenever we, uh, for our small stint at Station 4 together, we ended up putting a, some pretty good. Oh yeah, workouts together. Yeah, so. you start to realize how simple it can be and mm-hmm. how effective that is. Yeah. You know, and all of a sudden you're like, "Oh, I did three things for thirty minutes." Yeah, write it down. Yep, <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty good. Yep. All right. Well, um, give the no- normal disclaimer here. I again didn't mention my affiliates: Rescue One CBD and the Fourth Frontier Heart Rate Monitoring Strap. Also, the Buy Me Coffee button. And uh, keeping a four shifter, be more capable and durable with on the job and away from it. That's how I usually end it. Well done. I had to think of it all. I didn't give a good intro. Uh, we kind of jumped in the true detective stuff. We did. Whatever. People skip the first two minutes anyways, just assuming there's <laughs> ads yeah. and stuff like that. <laughs> oh, wait, this one's recording right here.